In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Have you ever had somebody who ended up being a very profound teacher, and yet you never thought that you would learn anything from them? Somebody that you encountered in your life, maybe it is even today, somebody that you know or maybe you don't know, somebody that has interacted and spoken with you or shown you some things, and they have literally blown your mind in terms of what you have learned. I can think of a couple different people who have taught me profound things as a pastor. I think of Fanny Canty at my first parish in Charlotte. Fanny was the African-American matriarch of this congregation, which was predominantly white. Fanny, when we moved our congregation out 15 miles south and replanted as a sort of mission congregation, Fanny was the one who suddenly started to stand in the narthex. We had about 30 people a Sunday gathering at this place that was a 1,000 square feet beyond all of that, could seat some 300 people. And Fanny was always there greeting people ever since we moved, especially the visitors. The visitors who walked into a Lutheran church, as some might say, people in South Carolina who had no idea what a Lutheran church was all about. And that congregation was as liturgical and traditional as we are maybe in some ways more so. Fanny would greet everybody with a smile, but when somebody came in who was visiting, Fanny knew that, and Fanny would take these people and say, today you're going to sit with me. Fanny knew that people would not be used to a Lutheran church. We used the hymnal, we used the same style of bulletin we're going to be starting with next week, and Fanny had her one pew that she always sat in, just like you all do. But Fanny was sitting up front where the acolytes were. Fanny sat up front with the visitors, even though they might have said, hey, we kind of are like you Lutherans, we don't want to go up front. And she would always say, it's okay, come on up. And she would sit with them and show them the hymnal and the bulletin and would show them where they were supposed to be. And she would always tell them what I would say to visitors. It's okay if you're lost. It's okay if you're confused. Ask a bunch of questions. We get it. Fanny taught us so many things. She didn't have her own seat. She didn't have the only people that she sat with. She, out of this predominantly white congregation, was the one who took it under her wing to welcome everybody in their midst. And she's still doing it today. That congregation now worships well over 150 people every Sunday. I think of Naeem, who came out of that congregation as well. Naeem was a Muslim, and he was engaged to one of my members. Naeem became a baptized, confirmed Christian, and Naeem went with me over to South Sudan. In South Sudan, I was at a seminary teaching pastors pastoral practice, and there was also another uh, pastor who was a professor, Dr. Josh Holman, who was with us. Josh was an expert on reaching out to Muslims, and a lot of these Lutheran pastors 
had been terrorized and victimized by Muslims in Sudan. And these Lutheran pastors were saying, we don't want to reach out to the Muslims. We hate them. They've destroyed our families and our communities, and we think it's a lost cause. And Dr. Holman had a terrible time trying to reach these pastors for what they needed to do with reaching out to Muslims. And in a last-ditch effort, he brought in Naeem. Naeem, with an Arabic name in South Sudan, where that was not a right kind of name to have, Naeem sat down with this room full of pastors as a convert from Muslim, uh, the Muslim religion into Christianity and said, there is hope. Look at me. Look at what God has done. Look at how God has transformed even my life. I'm now your brother. And these pastors were led and taught by this layperson who had just been a Lutheran Christian for about two years. You and I have had these people who have taught you things in life where you least expected it. And that's what you find here today in our gospel reading from Luke. You have Jesus who sits with his inner circle, his disciples, the professional followers, if you will, the guys who we find on all of our churches with their names, St. Peter, St. James, St. John Lutheran churches, etc. These are the guys who are on all of our coloring pages and our devotions. And Jesus tells them very plainly, hey guys, we are going to Jerusalem and I am going to have everything written by the prophets happen to me. I'll be delivered over to the Gentiles. I'll be mocked, shamefully treated, spit upon, flogged. They will kill me, and I will rise the third day. If there was ever a time where Jesus spoke plainly about what he was going to do, it was here. You notice what Luke said. They didn't understand any of this. How much plainer can you get? How much more simple can you get? I have come, guys. My hour is about ready to come. I'm going to die and rise again, and I'm going to do this for the sins of the whole world. You have sat with me for about three years. You've seen everything happen, and now it's time for me to go. Duh. Huh? What are you talking about, Jesus? And here's what's so amazing. The professional followers, the inner circle of Jesus, the people who we name all of our churches after, this is hidden from them. They don't grasp what happens. And along the way, on the road to Jericho, they come across this blind man. His name is Bartimaeus, who's sitting in the dirt on the side of the road like a bum. And he's begging. He's begging, and hearing a crowd go by, he asks, what's going on? And they say to him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Sounds simple enough, right? But you'll notice what the crowds say. Jesus, who's from Nazareth. Remember about Nazareth? Nazareth? How can anything good come out of Nazareth? Insert whatever city or town today that you think of as kind of low-class, low-key. How can anything good come out of Pine Bluff or Detroit or whatever else it is? That's where Jesus is from. 
And you'll notice what the crowd's confession of Jesus is. Jesus from Nazareth. Not that he's the son of God, not that he's the son of man, not that he's the savior of the world, the long-awaited Messiah who is perfect without sin, who's going to be crucified, died, and save the whole world from their sins. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And you'll notice, somehow, some way, Bartimaeus has heard about Jesus and what he's been doing. And here, sitting in the dirt, poor, begging Bartimaeus teaches the followers of Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David. You might as well have just called him King and Lord Jesus. Now you might say, well, that's a nice thing. That's a great confession of faith, way to learn about this. But you really have to think about this in the context of the time by which they were living. The Romans ruled this area. There was no king, even in Jerusalem, there was no king but Caesar. And if the Romans had heard that somebody publicly proclaimed that there was some other king other than Caesar, it wasn't like, okay, you have your opinions and we have ours and let's just try to get along it wasn't even a matter of saying to these people, get with the program, there's only one king and his name is Caesar. This is a death sentence. If you confess that there was some other king apart from Caesar, this was treason against the crown. This was an automatic death sentence. There would be no trial, there would be no acquittal, you had to be put to death because you were going against the throne of Caesar and the rule of Caesar. And what does poor begging Bartimaeus do? King Jesus, have mercy on me. I'm sitting here in the dirt. I am blind. And do you notice what the crowd does? Shh, quiet. What's the matter with you? Are you trying to get us all killed? Keep your mouth shut. There is King Jesus, yes, but we can't say that in the presence of King Caesar. Stop it, Bartimaeus. Be quiet. I think it's fascinating because the people who rebuked Bartimaeus, as Luke says, were the people who came from the front the professional followers, the 12 who are the inner circle of Jesus. It's almost as if they come running back around to Bartimaeus in the crowd and say, quiet! Even though we have heard about the Son of God and Jesus, even though we have heard the Messiah, we have seen him heal the blind, cause the lame to leap for joy, giving hearing to those who are deaf and those who are able to speak with a clear tongue. Be quiet! We don't want to get the axe by Caesar. And I love what Bartimaeus does. He cries out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me! And Luke literally says there at the beginning when he cries out to Jesus, 
It's sort of a cry, a normal cry. The second time that he cries out to Jesus, Luke literally uses the word as if it is an animal screaming for help. An animal that is screaming for help, not just your dog simply howling or barking. Bartimaeus, blind, dirty, begging, teaches us the perfect confession of faith. God works in opposites. He's not working necessarily through the chosen disciples, the inner circle of Jesus. He is actually working through blind Bartimaeus. And it is not one of these situations where Jesus says, well, I'll be, imagine that, this blind dude on the road actually gets it. These things are all worked out in great order and perfection. And Jesus is actually using this blind, dirty beggar to teach his people something. This guy that you shushed, this guy that you were embarrassed by, is teaching you how the kingdom of God works. And the emphasis is not here that he healed Bartimaeus with the recovering of sight. The emphasis is what Jesus says after recovering his sight. He literally says, your faith has saved you. Not your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So where do you see Bartimaeus teaching you? Where do you see these other people, like I mentioned today, teaching you about the kingdom of God? Where are you at in the midst of all of this, even publicly? How are you confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in your thoughts, your words, and your deeds? I would dare say that if you're not, you're probably just like me, ashamed and guilty, being embarrassed by Christ in a world that is totally against him, being embarrassed to talk about being a Christian, the showing love to those people that make us feel uncomfortable, the unwanted, the lost, and the least amongst us, being quiet in the midst of opportunities to confess that Jesus truly is King of kings and Lord of lords, coming into God's presence here today, and saying what we've said over and over, every Sunday, over and over again. Not Jesus, do this for me. If that's where you're at today, you've got a problem. Not sitting there today saying, Jesus, show me some sort of sign or a shaft of light. The church sings the liturgy of blind Bartimaeus. I love it. Lord, have mercy. Peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. You aren't even asking Jesus what you want. Give me more money, Jesus. Make my relationships at home go smoother. Lord, please help me with these people that annoy me. Lord, please heal me. Give me comfort. You are asking for Lord, the Lord God Almighty, 
to have mercy, to take notice of me, to acknowledge by the power of the Holy Spirit that there is one Lord, one King, one ruler, one master of this world. And he does not look upon you with the eyes of guilt and shame, but he looks upon you and says, what do you want me to do for you? That's the other answer that we are given today. Where is your answer? Is it in the physical, earthly things, or is it in the spiritual things? Forgive me, Lord. Help me to forgive others. Love me, Lord. Give me compassion and peace. Help me to show compassion and peace to others. Help me, Lord, and help me to help my neighbors who are in need. Why? Because you are king. You're King Jesus. You are Lord Jesus, son of David, son of God, son of man. Please have mercy on me. Bartimaeus is teaching us powerful stuff today. We do not start our life of prayer by demanding and asking God what we want but we simply acknowledge him to have mercy on us in the midst of our blindness, our deafness, our brokenness, and everything else that we have done against ourselves and everything else that the world has done against you. And he has mercy. He has grace. Because it all circles back to what he says he has come to do to be betrayed and mocked and spit upon, to be flogged, to be crucified for your sins, for your lack of confession, for your lack of faithfulness and mine as well, to be crucified and put to death so that you might have his perfection, his beauty, and his light, and his faithfulness to you. Bartimaeus teaches us what Jesus has done for us and who Jesus is, not simply from Nazareth, but from God, to reveal to you the heart of God for you and to reveal his love for you. Go back to 1 Corinthians, take out the word love and insert Jesus. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Jesus rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things. Jesus hopes all things. Jesus endures all things. Jesus never ends. Faith, hope, and love abide, yes, but the greatest of these is Jesus for you and for the life of the whole world. And so you might be absolutely amazed at who teaches you. Yesterday, when I was absolutely wasting my time on social media, on my little book of faces and whatnot, 
there was a wonderful video that smacked me across the face, a little Facebook short. And this Facebook short was a video by Penn Gillette. Penn Gillette you might know of as one of the magicians from Penn and Teller. He's the big dude with the long uh, hair that I'm envious about. Penn Gillette is an atheist. And Penn Gillette says in this video that the world is full of people, particularly Christians, who talk about this great love and hope and faith in them, but he says they rarely ever proselytize. They rarely ever speak or show this faith. Now, as an atheist, you might say, well, who are you to talk about or who are you to say about this? But Penn says this, I have very little respect or time for those who would not teach me or talk to me or share or show to me the greatest love and joy that these people believe in. If this is truly what you believe, he says, if you think that I as an atheist am condemned to hell, why would you not share this love and joy and peace with me? If you're not to do that, then you want me to go to hell, which will make you think about what you believe. And here is an atheist speaking to me and to you, and he uses one non-biblical example to wrap this up. A Christian that does not live out and confess this holy faith that you talk about is like me sitting there on the side of the road and you being in the middle of the road, and you about ready to get smacked by a big truck. I can sit there and tell you, you are about ready to get smacked by a big truck, and you might look at me and say, I don't believe a truck, I don't believe it's there, it's not going to happen. And he says, who am I if I don't tackle you and get you out of the way? Food for thought. I sat there and said, this guy just taught me what to say tomorrow. And here we are. You might be surprised at who you find. Jesus says this about all the people who are outside the kingdom of God all the time. I never have I seen such great faith. And maybe at times he says that about us as well, who are sitting in our nice little church here today. But this is not about you feeling guilty and trying to get out and rework the kingdom of God and get everybody else in here. This is about Jesus changing you through the forgiveness of all of your sins. Jesus not only changing you but giving you life as we heard of in Isaiah 35 that even the most dead weight amongst us now is living and alive in him so that we may be able to go out and show mercy to those in need of mercy, to show love to those who are in need of love, not to smack them around with how much biblical knowledge that we have. There will be opportunities to do that. But to show them Jesus, who endures all things and who is not only loving you, but who loves the entire world. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.